Aslan Wahat Shen Malhat Lushrej, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is perfect Arabic. <laughs> Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, meaning, his face is like a bowl of herbal laxative. Oh my God. Wow. Herbal laxative. Not, not, uh, not store bosh. No. Uh, that's Qatar, a Qatari Arabic expression, okay. which refers to someone who wears a perpetual frown, just like everyone on the F1 grid who isn't Max Verstappen. Who isn't Max Verstappen? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Danny Ricardo is almost back from injury. Yeah, he's not. He's not on the grid though. <laughs> and he's coming uh, back to us a changed man, maybe a little broken. <laughs> Uh, I also would like to point out that I have never gotten such, I got a, I read an academic paper to find that wow. idiom and this week. To find one where somebody says you look like diarrhea face or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And I would not have found it uh, if not for Kagi. This is not, I'm not advertising here. I'm just so excited about the search engine that I've discovered. Kagi. Does it Do you know about academic Kagi? papers? It can if you want. What else? Is it's it basically search? like, hey, Google search sucks, and I it agree. Does. How do I spell uh, Kagi? K a g i. It's the new thing I'm very excited about. Kagi. You're giving this the nod over DuckDuckGo because that's the one that oh, yeah. everyone's like, I'm a I'm a privacy freak. Give me that <laughs> yeah. DuckDuckGo. Yeah, the catch is here. There's no ads, so you got to pay for it. I but pay you get for a like search engine. Yeah. What is this? Nineteen ninety never. As look as as Will Smith is fond of pointing out, it's better to be a customer than the product. That's true. That's right. That is true. That's right. So I just wanted to get that little plug in there. Hey, Kagi, hit me up. Maybe you could get on Shift F One podcast. Talk Sorry, listeners. Our, I mean, already, uh, Tech Pod Will Smith. Not, not oh, like no, not, <laughs> not <laughs> actor. I don't think Will. I don't think actor Will Smith is like releasing little cones about uh, about like the tech sector and and his relationship with users. Did you have any? Uh, do you know any other people who have um who have f- famous na- names? I I knew two guys called Barry White growing up. Nice. You guys got so, it? Nope. No. Not really. Uh, no. Wait. Uh. Oh, I have one more. A friend of mine, um, uh, uh, Nikki Glazer, came on myself and Dan Records podcast one time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And she was on. She was touring with a, a comic, very funny guy called Tom Takar. But he used to. I think that's his mother. His name I forget, or his mother's maiden name is that I forget. But his he was his stage name before that was his given name, which is Tom Brady. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. so. Yeah, you got to change. R.I.P. to that name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have to retire yeah, cool. it, you know, legally when he. Yeah. Bolton, is that your real name? <laughs> uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing all. fantastic. The last time I was on this podcast, we were talking about sale, and today we're going to talk about loss sale. So you know, just a great time to be alive. Indeed, it is. Uh, also alive, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? <laughs> Doing great <clears throat> for me. I can't. I can't hear Wassail without thinking about like just you. You doing the doing the Wassail song, the Christmas Carol. 
Uh, but but for LaSalle. Wait, which one's that? You know that one. It's it's sing it, Rob. Well, maybe you don't. It's it's an old it's an old like English traditional or something. But mm. the only part I remember is it's like a bunch of drunk guys going wassail, 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 and then it's like on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and the the point being that uh, you know we're here and we want to we want to drink your your wassail. A lot, yeah, there you go. Just like all the people in Qatar, presumably. Uh, if you are new to this wassail, welcome. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode. It assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show would not be possible without our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release an ad-free version of the podcast along with, uh, actually, that's that's weekly that you get every. <laughs> I got to rewrite this so that it makes more sense. <laughs> um uh, but also uh, bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our pa- exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. What's been going on this month, Danny? We experimented with a racing series, an experimental racing series. So experimental that they don't even they don't even use roads. They don't even use land. Sail GP, we uh, we covered off, uh, we, we, we sort of, we watched one race in general, but I think all of us did a lot of extracurricular about Sail GP, which is a wickedly fun um, boat racing series in its fourth season currently. Shout out to Australia. <laughs> We're pretty good at that sport. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think it's one of our... It's what like I love doing the movie ones, but this one was a, an incredibly interesting. It's such a weird sport that is both very similar to Formula One and also entirely different. So <laughs> yes. if you're at all interested in learning about the crazy world of boat racing, um, check out our uh, our awesome podcast on Sail GP. Massive thanks as well, of course, to all of our incredible title sponsors: Agave ATX, Cyphus Training, Turf SCS, At Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, At Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, TelemetryDuck.com, <gasps> FTC, James Andrew Perla Adams, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abram Getchell, The Space Above Us Podcast, Bunny Fiend, Sniggs, Alex Goucher, Max Faltar, Circuit Demon. Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Rolf. William Rolf William Rolf kind of sounds like when I when I say it with my accent. William Rolf, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Maddened Man, Jason Kelly, and of course M Squared Racing welcomes Ellie. I hope Ellie's doing well. Ellie's like a month old now, probably. Yeah. Good job, be. Ellie. Welcome. Do you think there's an Agave micro ATX? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope there's many clinical researches out there as well, you know? I hope everyone's got some clinical research going on and all the different types of telemetry you can get. <laughs> wow, well, we took the telemetry on the news this week. Rob, we finally have some resolution in a story that you have been covering for yes. months now. Yes. Well, I don't know if resolution over. is what we're they're coming is to what we actually got. I think we are at the end of the beginning. <laughs> okay, perhaps. Uh, so the FIA approved the Andretti Autosports organi- organization pitch to be the eleventh the eleventh team on the F one grid. Uh, so that sounds exciting. It does sound like yeehaw. Let's do Great. it. Let's go racing. Eleven teams. 
The problem is, oh, as no. we've discussed, uh, the FIA can approve these bids. And basically, the FIA's part of this brief is to inspect these, inspect the bids and decide who has, like, which of the, which of the potential bidders have uh, merit from a variety of criteria. But basically, are you going to be, like, uh, credible contenders on the F1 grid? Mm. Are you going to, are you actually set up to compete in F1? Like, do you have the infrastructure to support it? And then are you bringing some sort of, like, X factor, one of the things that the like the FIA uh, sort of uh, put at the center of some of this bidding process is uh, broadening diversity in F1 as being part of the criteria that they're assessing these teams on. And Andretti, you know, long a, a, a front runner in this was indeed in the end found to be the the most credible bid and the, the winning bid. The problem is that <clears throat> while the FIA can basically sign off on the bid and say like we we endorse it you know it's a it's a good idea for Andretti to be the 11th team on the grid the other part of this that we've discussed for months is that uh FOM uh the the commercial body governing the sport that represents the the team's interests mm. also has to sign off on this effectively the 10 existing teams have to sign off on this all and, 10 and get probably. on board uh, yeah, effectively, like, I mean, you, you could, like, I, I'm I'm not clear, we covered this at one point, um, like, I'm not clear, like, what, uh, Stefano Domenicali runs the organization, like, I'm not clear what power he has to sort of uh, just just do it, uh, despite what the, despite what the, you know, constituent orgs want, I'm not sure if it's a, a simple majority thing, uh, but... They've been pretty united on this one, which is that the $200 million anti-dilution fee that is part of the Concord Agreement that runs through 2025 mm. uh, is not enough. The, the, the sport has grown so much uh, that if you were to correctly compensate the teams now for what their sh- like the value they lose in diluting uh, F1 from 10 to 11 teams... It would be much more money. Than yeah, that. which uh, I think six hundred million is a number that comes up a lot. But go on. Oh, really? Yeah, which which feels like you know I don't think any of us are necessarily you know big fans of corporations getting paid their money, um, but like sure, <laughs> you know, g- given the growth that we've witnessed over the past five or six years, and especially if what you're saying is that this is going to run out in 2025, which presumably, if something was signed off now, the team probably wouldn't enter until earliest 2025 anyway, I can totally see how this puts them in a good negotiating position at the very least. But yeah, I wonder, do you think that's it? Is it going? To, is it predominantly the sticker price or is there, you know, because weirdly it's like, you know, there there's a lot to be said for like, does having another team enhance the the general market or does it actually continue to dilute it even going forward so there are there there's a couple parts of this like uh, like i think there's there's a few aspects um you know in in play here one of them is that from the beginning the the something about michael andretti and the the andretti family rubs the team's the wrong way right. like he was he just came in too hot too confident uh was trying to like whip votes in his favor it like early on the way that, that sort of people felt put on the spot um and, like he was being very presumptuous but 
really, I, I, I think um, it is kind of a, they want more than the, than the fee that's in the Concord agreement. And that's, that's kind of the tricky thing about this is that the, you know, that is there in the Concord agreement uh, by law, all he should have to pay if, if uh, the, the bid were accepted would be the 200 million, but the bid might not be accepted unless he can find something else to something else to offer. Uh, now, the case he's made is that he does have things to offer. Uh, one of them is that he has partnered with Cadillac. Uh, now, not that has been criticized as not being real. That it that Cadillac won't be like an engine manufacturer. That effectively it's going to be like Cadillac branding, right? Uh, on presumably like yet another customer team, at least in its early days. But there are people uh, like pointing when out Tag that, Heuer made engines. <laughs> right. And there's people pointing out that like Red Bull's vaunted Ford partnership is also bullshit mm, because Red right. Bull spun up a powertrain division uh you know in the in the wake of of Honda leaving. And so what Ford is going to be doing is broadly like slapping the blue oval on a Red Bull built engine. So like you know there's there's a bit of glass houses in play here. Uh, the the other the other thing is that like you know the Andretti organization is like it's involved with some it has some very serious financial backers um, and and so like this is one of the other arguments in in its favor is that it has uh, God, what was it is the is it the Gainbridge uh, group. Uh, can't, I can't remember, but he has like, he has serious, serious money backing him, but is that going to, does that mean it's going to attract other serious backers, more serious backers into F1? That's, uh, that's, that's very much an open question. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we kind of end up in the place where I think we kind of could have seen coming all along, which is that from the standpoint of like, would Andretti probably put together a decent race team like the best new challenger f1 has seen yeah. since red bull effectively yeah, you're right. uh, and red bull bought existing teams yeah. yeah probably they could and no team wants this because it's going to be a case where they're just not being properly compensated um which you have some sympathy for because the payments that you're from liberty aren't going to, like the pie will be sliced smaller yeah uh the and the, it's another the, team they have to beat yeah. Yeah, you know what's you know what's worse? It's like the reverse uh it's like the the amps go up to 10. You know what's you know, you know what's worse than being 10th is being 11th. Like that's really rubbing your face into the dirt. Uh it is it is very funny some of the teams uh this was pointed out in the Autosport analysis article about this that I'd forgotten but I remember it was very funny. Teams were arguing that F1 circuits can't possibly accommodate more than 10 teams. <laughs> um there's just not enough physical space, there's not enough garages. All right. Uh, which is like patently false if you look at what endurance events can or, can do with if, these if these you spaces look at F3, like three when it's racing it's the same weekend as F1. <laughs> yeah, yeah like so 90 cars out there. I don't know, like bent around the back last turn. My my, like where I come down on this is kind of where I was last week, which is they're going to get more money. Like fundamentally, I think I think Andretti's organization they would want in the sport. Like you're probably not going to get a better, more credible bid than this to come into the sport. Um, and so I think it 
there's a lot to there's a lot to argue for them wanting this organization to join at more than the 200 million and i think from the andretti standpoint is it's kind of like now or never like if you do have this financial backing you can meet them halfway uh and and so my suspicion is there's going to be a price agreed uh upon now the thing i wonder about is the minute he gets in i, I, I assuming this all happens does everyone then pull the knives out on the next time it comes to negotiate the Concord Agreement? Because mm-hmm. that's sort of what governs a lot of the stuff and I think might tie into some of the uh, commercial rights stuff as well. So, like, would there be, like, at what point do the team start arguing that, like, Liberty needs to enlarge the prize share um, for given that there's more teams in the mm-hmm. sport and that they are contributing to the overall growth of the media property? But I think it's going to get done. I think at this point we are in haggling over the price. But before we get there, I think we're going to get hit, we're going to hear apocalyptic things uh, about like the teams not accepting this at all and ready ready to walk away, etc. Yeah, it's going to be like a, a dirty, dirty battle, dirty negotiations. They do. It's funny though because like the, you know it, I I do feel a number of years ago when we were talking about F one and teams, the conversation was very different where sort of there was a desire a motivation to bring in new teams and the worry was was that they were going to lose some of the teams that were currently in the sport you're trying to keep people in who were like yeah. floundering around the bottom right um and making deals that would essentially make it more viable for them obviously the sort of boom in popularity of f1 post uh drive to survive and, and some other things post liberty has a sort of made that a moot point but if they start to like play dirty with teams who want to get in too much like that's yeah. definitely going to you know scare off potential teams and and like i i do like haas was the team right where we thought oh great american team coming in here it's going to open up a whole new audience haas has obviously had like not a they're not a particularly American team in many ways, just because of the no, you know, the drivers they've had, the engine supplier, and all that sort of stuff. So, the, there is something about Andretti that feels a lot more like exciting from a an American perspective, I think. And it it you know, considering the size of the market here and the fact that there probably is more of a ceiling on the market in North America, like it does seem like. I get it if there's hard negotiating, but they really need to say yes to this one. Because if they don't say yes to this one, who would put their hands up and try and, and try and follow it, you know? Well, maybe the move is to buy an existing team. That's certainly been the, the not-so-hidden message between the lines is <laughs> uh, the anti-dilution fee inflates the value of the teams who are already happy enough to have a spot on the grid. And this was... Uh, <clears throat> part of one of one of the options that the Roden uh team explored as part of its bid uh to get into F1 and they had it's not clear to me where they got this uh where they were quoted this but they came to the conclusion that picking up uh you know their their quote is I would buy a team if I thought there was a viable route but paying eight to nine hundred million dollars for Alphatari would probably not be considered commercially viable. Right. Uh, so I don't know, man. The, have you seen those pants? <laughs> They're pretty great. 
They're pretty hey, tan. They look great on throw those in, Throw in Alpha Tori's uh, fall lineup and you got yourself a deal. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's... It's uh, so that that option that that option is kind of a, a non-starter about like when it when it when it came down to looking at the prices these teams were 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 commanding, uh, it was just it was it was massively it was massively inflated. Like Roden's m- missed window of opportunity was not snagging Williams when they were the, at their most distressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was kind of the window to pick up a che- uh, pick up a team on the cheap. Now they are all. You know they're valuable assets, and so you know suddenly a four hundred million anti dilution fee doesn't seem so bad if the teams are asking and feel like they could get uh, close to a billion. The other part of the Roden bid was that they had committed uh, to running a uh, a female driver, right? And uh, I'm not clear. I assume they weren't going to try to weasel out of it with a reserve driver uh, gig. That would, oh my God, could you imagine the backlash if they did that? Like, (laughs) oh my God. What are you talking about? We're going right there. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, (laughs) the quote, the quote they have is that they had, they had tested uh, with with Jamie Chadwick uh, at, at various points. And so that they were, they were confident that she was, she was race ready. And they also had, uh, because Roden's tied to the Carlin team, uh, that they had right, a yeah. deeper developer pipeline that has a number of younger, uh, younger women competing at various levels, and so they were they were confident that they could reach down there and promote promote from within and uh, find find a woman for for one of the race seats. Um, it, you know, it, it, the bid wasn't accepted. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like they were. As buttoned up as Andretti, but it is interesting to think about that being one of the one of the markers on the bid, um, because in part because that might be kind of what it takes at a certain point is just do it, because there will always be there's always those opportunities to sort of shrink from this where it's like well like this is we've, we've talked about this before it's very easy to blame the pipeline and systemic factors because no one knows the villain in that story right yeah, it's just 100%. like yeah it's just yeah the pipeline is so leaky and then you know so many we lose so many you know talented women early on that by the time you see you know who's available uh you know when when it comes time when, when we talk about who has like the super license points to to compete at the highest level of open wheel racing the women just aren't there. It's very easy to say that. Like no one's no one's the villain in that story. Uh, but at the same time, like making the proactive choice to be like, we're just gonna do it. Especially when you consider how often the guys who get these nods basically are busts. Yeah, or, or or like especially in the case of new teams, how usually at least one of those drivers is a paid driver. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like the pipeline to for Pastor Maldonado was an oil pipeline that was paid for. You know what I mean? Like like and granted, he did get a podium eventually. But <laughs> Pastor you know Pastor I mean? was legit. I think we can like he was like this is a this is a Pastor affection zone. Uh, sure, he I, had I, he had some game. I agree, but if you had a what? female driver crashing as much as he was, could you imagine? Like it was all sort of like, yeah, 
he was a he, yeah it was in good jest when it was hit well even it wasn't for a while there were times where people got really angry at him um uh, Roden, I, I I didn't know what they were. I looked up what I knew they did cars and stuff. I guess they they kind of make like they do cars. And I stuff. knew they did cars. That's what I'm saying. I was like, it's a rich person company. That's they why I've never cars? heard of it. So they make like, uh, but they make like open wheel cars. Like they make like like fancy like track cars. Like track. Are they cars, like the yeah. Dalara of New Zealand? It's kind of like yeah, you can get a you can get a six hundred and seventy five brake horsepower car that sort of looks like an F one car, and you can ride it on their track, public roads, or whatever. It's their main one. It's called the the Roden FZ, and then they have a sort of concept car, which I think is maybe has a bit more uh, hybrid nonsense going on in it, which is called the F zero. So, I just wanted to mention that for all the hot Absolutely. gamers out there. Nice. Uh, well, Danny, speaking of rejoining Formula One. Speaking of Danny's too. Danny Ricardo. Mm. Danny Ricardo hurt himself uh, valiantly getting out of the way of a crash in, uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, which was quite a while ago now. Um, the Dutch Grand Prix was back in the end of August, right? It was right after, it was the first race back after the, the break. And that's where Ricardo hurt himself. And we kind of knew he was going to be up for a couple of races at the start. They were saying he's definitely going to miss Italy because that's like the next week. But he might be back for Singapore, but probably not. He might sing at Singapore too because Singapore is a particularly tricky one, I think, if you've busted your arm. Um, he did sit at Singapore and then he did sit out Japan. Um, it turns out he is now also going to sit out the Qatar uh, Grand Prix coming up this weekend, despite the fact that it was a nice two-week gap between that um, and Japan. And it looks like he is aiming to come back for the United States Grand Prix, which is another two weeks after uh, Qatar, which is the fifth uh, last race of the of the season. Uh, we've got a quote here from Jonathan Nettles. Um, uh, says, uh, he's still going through that recovery phase. We're still talking uh, a while away so we wouldn't want to put a target on it the recovery is going well we've got some simulator work planned before return the simulator is a very good representation of the car uh, all of the loads etc i think the final decision is more than likely going to come from him rather from us so this obviously a lot of this is sort of like assumed because we now know that he signed up for next year but it definitely seems like, look, there's a big change to the car coming next year. We're going to have Daniel working on that one. Like, it'll be great to get him in the car a little bit this year. So he's not like completely rusty. But obviously, the most important thing they're talking about is not damaging him going into a new season. So, you know, what's the big deal if if he doesn't race much this year? Um, So for the moment, you know. He's a big fan of the United States Grand Prix. He definitely wants to do Las Vegas because he was uh, he was uh, sort of um, one of the early champions of that one. But um, we won't have him this weekend, and uh, we'll see if he's going to be at US. You know, yeah. doing Vegas but not having the drive might be the ultimate plot. <laughs> Just being there as a vibes guy, as right. part of the Red Bull entourage. Uh, but I don't know, like Danny, I think last week you alluded to if you're like, given that they all got contracts, there's no rush for this guy. No. Um, both in terms of like the rehab, but also do you really want to just, if you want the stories comparing you apples to 
you know, orange, apples and oranges, you and Lawson right now, your busted up arm and Lawson having this like really good showing. Yeah. I would just kick back and just like, oh, work yeah, the rehab. still. <laughs> yeah. Like just come, come back in a place to get like where you can get that, some of that testing experience, get like, get some, get some good reps, but I would not be in a rush to like put, put wait and in, wait into what what is going to be an obvious like comparison both between those two and then also the uh Sergio Perez death watch death watch situation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not a good shout. Yeah, or, or yeah, definitely that's a good shout. Not a good look for him. And Mexico's coming up as well. It's 2 weeks away. We've got a uh, we've got uh, Austin after this. Sorry, two races away. We've got Austin after this one, then Mexico, Brazil, and then back to Vegas. So we're in the Americas for like four races in a row. And then back to the Middle East for the uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, as has become tradition. Yes, indeed. Well, also on the death watch, Logan Sargent, the only driver to not have secured a mm. contract for next year. Um, we were wondering last week uh, just how close he is to jumping off of the, uh, walk, walking the plank. Um James Vowles, though, his team principal at Williams, uh, has put out a, a Vowles verdict video on their website, which Autosport is quoting here, uh, where Vowles addresses this quite directly. He says, Logan has very clear targets that he has to hit before the end of the season, and we're working with him continuously. This is not out of the ordinary. I mean, drivers that often built into contracts will have targets. Uh, that's the important point. We're working with him. We want him to succeed, and we want him in the car next year. This is very much on us as well. Uh, we've taken some straight. We've taken someone straight from Formula Two without any significant testing. Put a day and a half in Bahrain in this car, <laughs> uh, and then wish them well on a season that has been awfully challenging for rookie drivers. Full stop. Uh, regarding his so now, Vals is talking about uh, his Japan form despite his qualifying crash. Quote. There were some very positive signs to take out of it. First and foremost, Logan is not on the same aerodynamic specification as Alex was. We have updates that are on Alex's car that are not on Logan's due to the amount of attrition we've had this year, which, you know, why have you had that attrition? Well, <laughs> uh, furthermore to that, if you look at the case of Suzuka, he did a buildup across the weekend. As he went into free practice three, he did a time that matched Alex and as we go into qualifying, until the accident, he was overlaying the line online within a tenth of a tenth of Alex's performance as well at one of the trickiest circuits of the season. We'll continue to work with Logan and invest in Logan as we want him to succeed. He's on a journey with us at Williams. We have our young driver program that we will continue to invest in. Only at the point where all of us come to the conclusion that we've reached at the end of that road will we make any decisions. But we're nowhere near that yet. Did HR I write think, this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, th I thought this was really interesting, especially as it pertains to investment, because operating a young driver program can't be cheap. Um, and they actually, like, in, monetarily have put a lot into training this guy. And if he is still on an upward trajectory, um, it might not, and depending on who's waiting in the wings, it might not make sense to get rid of him. I don't know. How, how did this strike you, Danny? It's uh, it's so hard to tell. Um, the, 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 I hate reading this sort of stuff because I just look at his performance and 
it reminds me a little bit of the way I felt about Yuki in his first season, where I was just like, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's the there's the 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 cutthroat world of Red Bull does not apply to a lot of other teams, and you sort of have the, the sink or swim nature of it doesn't really tend to happen. You know, they can't afford to just get rid of drivers and bring new ones in. And Sargent has definitely been inconsistent, I would say. Um I don't feel the same way about it maybe as I did with Yuki, but also Yuki's had like three seasons and is a different driver now and is way more consistent. So mm-hmm. there's definitely that element of, you know, they have to learn how to drive these cars and it's unfair, especially how young they are coming into the sport to ask them to to swim so fast. Um yeah, I don't know. I think it would be I, I think both it would be cruel for him to lose his seat. Um, but also I would understand it if there was another option that was out there. Uh, but I don't know who the other option is right now. Like Lawson's obviously in a, in a world in which Perez was fired on the last day of the season. Like maybe it's a case of keeping their options open or something, you know, cause we've seen that before where like you have a Hulkenberg or a Perez or somebody who you know, is driving really well, but for whatever reason, politics or form or whatever it is, loses their drive. And then you have lower teams that are their sort of last chance. And especially when someone's a bit of a veteran, it's, it's, you know, Danny Rick can maybe take a year out of the sport and come back in. He's lucky. He's young enough, but Mm -hmm. like some of the other drivers, it's, it's much harder. Obviously Hulkenberg did eventually get back in as well, but so I can see them like keeping their options open as well. It's, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, just looking at my uh, my sheet here of driver contracts, 2024 is going to be a bloodbath. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, check this out. Here's who's confirmed through 2024 only. Okay. Joe, Botas, Ricardo, Sunoda, Gasly, although that is an at least 2024. It's unclear how long his multi-year right. was for. Uh, Ocon, Alonso is another at least 24. Leclerc, Signs, Magnuson, Holkenberg, and Perez. I mean, that's more than half. Yeah, the, field. the big ones there are the two Ferrari boys. That's very yeah. interesting, especially if someone else clears out. Like if you know, if a Perez, oh, an Albon, right? Yeah, if, but if one of the other big teams suddenly has an extra seat, you might see a little bit of a. God, I can't believe the Claire. I know I talk about it a lot, but I cannot believe the Claire's super long. <laughs> contract is up at the end of 2024 that's I know. crazy a five-year extension yeah. in december 2019 wild i remember talking about it which and i was like yeah. that wasn't that long ago and yeah. like, here we are i guess it was before covid which is completely bent time and yeah, space true. for us all that's true <laughs> yeah wild i'm like i think what comes through in this for me again is like james vowels seems like <laughs> he might be a great man uh, in terms of like leading an F one team and like having that, having that human touch, um, and I think it will be one of those things where, if they part ways at the end of this, nobody could blame how Williams has handled this because yeah. they never threw him under the bus, uh, which a lot of team principals do. Like, like you know, a lot of team, a lot of team principals are, even if like they will have that flash of temper. Right where you'll 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 catch a glimpse of just the growing disdain and frustration they have for a driver who's struggling like this, and we oh, haven't yeah. 
we haven't gotten that from the team. They've been really in lockstep around like around his worst days where he's like thrown away good qualifying sessions. They've been in lockstep about like, but look how good he was doing. Mm-hmm. Look how far he's come. Uh, it's it's really impressive. I I am curious. Like I'll be so fascinated if they do decide to retain him because that would be such a that would be such a bid based on improvement. Right, because what, all we can see right now is the cost of like he keeps going off, he keeps wrecking cars. Like that's what we can see. It would be so fascinating if it turns out that they really do in their data see that like he's getting a little bit wrong, but when he gets it right, there's pace there. Mm. Um, that would be an interesting bet uh, for a team to make. Um, which it, it might be more old school. I was I was listening to. Uh, Mario Andretti did an interview years ago at Beyond the Grid. And he was talking about like uh, Gilles Villeneuve couldn't, he was constantly coming back uh, to the pits out of broken cars, carrying the steering wheel. Uh, <laughs> and Enzo Ferrari loved him uh, just, be, just because like he was, he, he was a guy who would go for it and he, he, would, he would get that pace. And uh, yeah, it's. Teams are so risk averse. It would be fascinating if Williams decides like we like the upside on this bet more than Mick Schumacher. Yeah, more than you know what I mean. Like to like to just commit to it. All right. Well, that is it for news. Uh, We're going to take a break, and then we will be back with the track walk. And we're back, Danny. Take us to the faraway land from us, anyway. Of where? Of Qatar. Of Qatar. And what's the name of the track again? Sail. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> yes, we are going to the outskirts of Doha for the second time. Um, this is a bit of a weird one. We had a flirtation with this track back in 2020 Uno, you may remember. And um, got added yeah, to the... Yeah, when F1 was like, hey, MotoGP, do you have any tracks? Literally. Do you have any tracks we could use? Literally. This is a track built for bikes. Um, the setup of this track is a... This is a bike track, 100%. Um, it obviously has a history of that, but also just the... There's no... They don't have a different configuration for this one, folks. We have a lot of medium and high-speed corners and one incredibly long straight. It's a one-kilometer straight, so... Guess what? One DRS detection zone, and you're going to be seeing some overtaking on the entry to turn one. How much of the, uh, or I guess how early in into that turn one is is up for grabs? Um, and also whether or not you'll see any other overtaking on this track was a concern right from the start that a lot of the drivers had before the race in 2021. Um, just due to the nature of the tur- of the corners, like MotoGP you tend to have a turn into a turn, right? Because they're throwing the bike over its one side, over to the other side. So you get a lot of these, like Portimao is a little bit that way too, where you get a lot of these left turn ends or right turn. They're taking them fast. And then through those, they sort of get those overtaking moments. Obviously, F1 cars don't do that as well. Um, so uh, that married with the fact that you have this incredibly long DRS straight leads to... Um, yeah, the possibility of of a boring track. We've only raced here once. It was a fine race. Um, I watched the highlights of it again recently. Uh, the most notable thing is that Alonso got his podium, his first podium in forever, um, uh, which was which was cool. But aside from that, um, it wasn't particularly 
interesting. I looked up a couple of rankings of like, you know, 2021's F1 races ranked and it was right there in the middle. So it's huh. <laughs> I rated it a three out of four as Wait, entertaining. Okay. Entertaining. Was there this till Esteban to defend like a lion? Is this? God, you're no. In my head, that was Hungara ring, but I. I associate with well, his you podium, might be right. though, where he was like starting to taste the podium and like, but he. You might be right. No, you're right. You're right. No, it was, it was the roles were reversed at the Hungara ring. It was when it was when Alonso yeah. made a big right. His car super wide. Um, yeah, I think you might you might be right. I forget. Um, we did not have it last year because of the World Cup. The soccer uh. World Cup was on, and they were like, "There are too many sports happening in this tiny, tiny state <laughs> that exists on this little archipelago, this little this little island that's connected with this bridge." Um, so we're not going to do it this year. So we're back for the second time. They did sign a 10-year deal, though. So we are going to be enjoying uh, the La Salle Grand Prix uh, all the way into 2033. It's 57 laps, 5.4 kilometers, 3.37 miles. So it's no slouch. Um, and it, and it's impo- I don't I can't tell you if it's going to be good or not. It's a night race. It's a, it's a, it's a cool time of the year, cooler. It won't be as cold as Vegas is going to be. This is probably going to be the in line with everything else, probably. Um, track These cars so- have so much more inertia than the ones that the last time they raced here. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So that'll looking be at this too. layout, and all I can think about is how much these things are going to wallow through sector two. Yeah, and and also that perhaps the overtaking. If what was the track? Well, where were we recently? Where there was a lot of overtaking into turn one. Oh, I feel like that's fully half of them Singapore, at this point. Was it Japan, <laughs> Italy, was it Hungary? I think it was Hungary. We had a lot of overtaking yeah. on that straight. It's a similar situation. It's a right-hander at the end of a long straight. Well, how long did you say that straight was? One kilometer. That's not that long, though, It's is not it? crazy long, but it takes up a large part of this yeah. track. It's kind of like... it go That is kind of hungry vibes, where even like your long straight yeah. isn't like that, that wildly long. It yeah. does look like the Pokemon Ditto. <laughs> Does it look like Ditto a bit? Yes. The other thing to mention is there's only one DRS straight, which means there's only one part of the track where they're deploying their their energy. So you know what I mean. This is it. Is on that straight. So yeah. Whether or not that means good defending or whether it means easy overtakes, um, I guess I we'll find rains. out in a couple of days. Rob, I've got bad news. It's not going to rain. It is zero <laughs> percent. Even even with climate change, guys, guys, guys. If it's raining in Qatar in October, we are all dead. Pack, <laughs> pack it in, folks. Uh, it's going to be hot. It's going to be ninety-two at uh, qualifying time. This is we are on a sprint weekend uh, this time. Remember. Um, Looks like about the same for sprint time and the same for the race. Maybe even a hot, little hotter on uh, race day. That, by the way, is 34 degrees Celsius. Sorry, did I say this is a night race? <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, and that's and that's what it's going to be. Is it a night race? I don't know if it is. Is it night? Am I it gonna, is. It is a night race. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, at least the, the it it, it's race, starting yeah. um, 5 p.m. local. I had to double check. I forgot how hot it gets out there. I've, I, I've been to the Abu yeah. Dhabi Grand Prix, and it is... And that it is, and that's later in the year, and it's 
still unbelievably hot. So yeah, yeah. We're the other thing is um, winds. I don't know how oh. affected the circuit is by winds. I can't remember exactly what surrounds it, but we've got uh, twenty miles an hour um, or thirty-two kilometers an hour on oh. qualifying day, sixteen miles an hour on sprint day, and uh, twelve miles an hour on race day. So uh, we obviously have had that in Bahrain. Obviously, the wind has been an issue, and also the sand. I've just mm-hmm. remembered this was the race where we had all those weird tire failures. Do you remember this one? Oh, back in 2021, this was the one where, like, at a certain point, a bunch of teams got a bunch of punctures. And that's why Alonso ended up getting his podium was that somebody in front of him had a rant. And presumably, I don't I actually don't know if this was anything to do with the surface. Maybe they had maybe they resurfaced it recently because F1 was coming. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, now I'm remembering that. So I don't know if that's going to. Okay rear its ugly head at all during the race but yeah this Where was, was the flavio when all this was going on <laughs> yeah they never found the sniper <laughs> uh well heading into the qatar grand prix the driver's championship looks like this max verstappen is on top with 400 points second place <clears throat> is sergio perez with 223 and if you know math that means that Max Verstappen could take the championship in the sprint race. Oh my God, I forgot there was a sprint race. Yeah. Yeah, which would be, I don't know, fitting <laughs> for this season. <laughs> uh, third place is Hamilton with 190 points. Alonso is in fourth with 174. Carlos Sainz is in fifth with 150. Charles Leclerc is in sixth with 135. Lando Norris and George Russell are tied in seventh and eighth for 115 points. Uh, Piastri has 57, and Stroll is in 10th with 47. Then we've got Gasly with 46, Ocon with 38, Albon with 21, uh, Hulkenberg with 9, Botas in 15th with 6, Zhou has 4, Sunoda and Magnussen have 2, Lawson has 2, and then Sargent, DeVries, and Ricardo all have 0. In the constructor standings, Red Bull Racing has sealed the driver or the constructors championship with 623 points. Mercedes has 305. Ferrari has 285. That is up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, Aston Martin has 221 in fourth place. McLaren wow. has 172. And to hear Lando Norris tell it, that's also up for grabs. Mm. Uh, fourth place. Alpine is in sixth with 84. Williams is in seventh with 21. Gene Haas and team are in eighth place with 12 points. Alfa Romeo has 10 and Alfa Tauri has five. I mean, Williams with 21. They couldn't buy a point for like years, right? It's great. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm happy for them. I am. I'm bummed for Haas, though, especially Hulkenberg. I feel I mean, he's done really well. He's been the better driver. He's got more points, but it's just it has always felt to me like next year is going to be the year 100 percent. that's the optimism is what kills you, you know yeah I mean? maybe yeah. they are the american team <laughs> exactly yeah the best the, the highest optimism of, of anyone on the grid well this year's been frustrating because they can't build a race day car like yeah, you're right i yeah, remember yeah i was faked out for race after race where i was like damn hulkenberg is getting the right. work done in qualifying <laughs> like this uh, this is it this is the year of haas yeah and then it was like you just watch them converge on the track because the car just has such a terrible pace that it was like, well, quality was a waste. I don't know. They, they never figured out how to have a, have a. They've never figured out how to have a car with no. um decent running pace. Yeah, 
but they've learned how to stop crashing them this year. So that's pretty cool. That's a plus. Uh, if you'd like to join our fantasy league, you can do so using the link in the show notes. You can also send us an email at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Been a while since we read them because we've had so many races going on. That's true. But Rob, take it away. Lots of people writing in with travel plans uh, or circuit experiences. But uh, since Ooh. this one is so germane, I thought we'd lead off, lead off with this. Xander writes, hi, gents. As a resident of Doha, right. I thought I'd pass on my experiences attending the 2021 Qatar Grand Prix. As, as with anything that takes place outdoors in this part of the world, heat is the first thing that springs to mind. Uh, the 21 GP was was held in late November, and the humidity was relatively high, 70%. Oh. The temperatures were only 27C, 81 Fahrenheit, which is Chilly. low for Qatar. <laughs> uh, we're looking at, uh, in the 40s of humidity <clears throat> this weekend, by the way. Okay. That's that's a mercy. Uh, conditions yeah. were ideal for sitting in the grandstands from late afternoon and in the evening. With this year's race taking place in early October, expect the humidity to be much the same, but temperatures to be higher. Uh, there's every chance spectators will be a sweaty mess, but that comes with the territory living in Doha. The event itself went smoothly with everything running on time, as expected. Uh, seating options were fairly limited at the 21 race. I sat at the grandstand on the main straight, but major upgrades and expansions have been made at the Los Sales circuit since. Ooh. This year, I have seats in the newly built Turn 2 grandstand. Amenities of the circuit were good, plenty of merch, food options, and bathrooms, but for anyone traveling to Qatar... Don't expect to be able to get alcohol at the race. Mm -hmm. uh, for anyone attending, I strongly recommend catching public transport to the race. Last time around, I caught the metro to Lucille Station and got a, on a free shuttle bus to the circuit, which was about a 20-minute ride. Service was quick and efficient and a much better option, considering a friend of mine made the foolish decision to try and drive to the track and arrive not too long before the race was meant to begin. She missed the start of the GP after getting caught in traffic, oh. then had to give up on seeing the race at all when she found all the car parks full. No! Oh, no. Only downside to public transit was that after the race, all shuttle buses were held at the circuit until the VIP attendees had been allowed <laughs> to drive out in their private cars. That kind of thing is fairly common here in the Middle East. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you, Xander. Thank you, I Xander. can't admit. Yeah, that like, marries a little bit with the, my experience of um, going to uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. It, the, the public transport and all that stuff does tend to be pretty good. And, and I think the relatively low numbers of people, you know what I mean? Just to, as opposed yeah. to a spa Frankishop or something, or, or like, a, you know, Austria, where people are camping, right? You, you know, that and the sort of new infrastructure does tend to work. I really liked going to that Grand Prix and having like, it's like in one way, it's like, yes, it's oppressive. It's quite warm, but like, the flip side of so many races in Europe can be the opposite. You know what I mean? You could be either totally rained on or, or, or freezing cold or wind. So yeah, I, I'm getting a little, little bit like nostalgic now. I kind of want to go back to the Middle East for a race hearing, hearing all that. Oh, we just wait though. We, we get, just forget that. I know where we got to go, but uh, Drew, take this next one. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Doug writes, hi all. The U.S. baseball season is ending and the teams making the playoffs will spray each other with champagne to celebrate their success. The players will wear ski goggles as champagne burns if it gets into your eyes. <laughs> At the end of each F1 race, <laughs> the podium winners spray each other with champagne but don't wear any eye protection. I can't imagine the drivers would risk harming their eyes, so my question is, do you think the champagne is fake? Wow, that is... That is some conspiracy theorist logic. 
that's going on there. No, they're just not, not, what's, the, what's a politically correct word I can use to wow. describe? Wow, wow, you are, you are besmirching <laughs> the, the, the metal of, of American baseball players. America's pastime. People who play in America, because given that, like, in terms of who are, like, U- U.S. Americans, uh, <laughs> not a ton. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm just bitter, because this is the, you know, the A's will be in Vegas by, I mean, not not Ugh, next season, but, you know, but probably one more. Um, no, it's real, it's, it's, it's real bubbly, except when they go to, I mean, it's Rosewater when they do it in, yeah. you know. Right, when they'll do it in Qatar, yes, I imagine. Yes, and, and Abu Dhabi and uh, yeah. Saudi Arabia, but... Have you ever bought my favorite? I used to love going into. It's a bit of a tangent, but I did really enjoy going into the grocery stores in um, the Middle East because not so much because of the alcohol, because that was. I don't even think that was sold in the grocery stores, but they would have a like beaded. They'd have a door with like a beaded, you know, like in the v, the in porn the section video of the video shop, store, right? yeah, like the sex, yeah. the sex, yeah, in the video store. But you'd go in and it would just be pork. <laughs> it's just like that's where all the illicit pig meat is, oh, yeah. which I was a big fan of. I miss traveling. Mm. Uh, uh, there is there is the other thing to consider here is that in the baseball context, not only does everyone have some champagne, every so there's player. a lot. Yeah, oh. there's a lot more champagne happening, <laughs> but you are in an enclosed room. Okay, and so yeah. it is ricocheting. It is like being in a dishwasher. Just spraying champagne oh, like, at you okay, from yes. all angles. That's fair. And let's fair. let's be real. I feel like your typical F one driver may have lived the kind of life where they have a little more champagne spraying yeah. experience oh, yeah. than your typical major league ball player. <laughs> all their bats and it might be a more kids. regular feature of their life. <laughs> yeah. Like you see the way they spray each other. Like you know, it's very good form. Like oh no, not my eyes. And like they sort of prance around, but nobody looks directly at the nobody looks directly down the barrel. Uh, and I I suspect that like with uh like major league major leaguers. It's a little more like frat boy amateur hour. Oh yeah, where yeah. like champagne is going off in people's faces, and they're not used to it. They're used to doing the beer, yeah. you know, like yeah, doing the like Stone Cold Steve Austin. If he had, yeah, if he had cracked out some champers, might have uh, might have caused some problems for the, for the <laughs> WWF. Imagine how confused that crowd would be. Yeah, exactly. That's why they used a milk truck at one time, not a champagne truck, because it would have burned everyone's eyeballs. Danny, um, want to take this next one? I I really do. Uh, Brendan writes, "Why should Alpha Tari still be around?" I wow, f- that's a great question. I feel like that's been a question I've been asking for a long time. Uh, wow, the, the scuttlebutt surrounding uh, Andretti Cadillac has reminded me of the of how odd the existence of Alpha Tari is in this current commercially successful F one era. How wild would it be if in the NBA, 20% of the field was basically not allowed to win by design? <laughs> the thought of me, the sorry, the thought gets me hot. Um, I'm sure the commercial reality of F1 back when Red Bull joined means that F1 probably has a lot to thank them for. But today it seems like a drain on the sport. Red Bull hoovers up a great share of talented drivers and pre- prevent them from becoming competitors. I'm sure the only way Red Bull will ever let AlphaTauri go is via an ocean of money. But do you think F1 would ever feel inclined to pressure Red Bull? It is funny how, again, 
as we were talking earlier about like the reality of a team entering the sport is a very different conversation today as it would have been five or six years ago. The existence of Avatari has always been questionable, but the conversation around it is very different today than it would have been five or six years ago. Um, today, you look at it, and yeah, you go, you look at it, and you go, "Wow!" Like they're they're not letting other teams in. You basically have this like this this lower team. But here's the thing: that it used to be more of a feeder team. I feel like since Perez signed you know that has not been yeah. the case at all and also you could argue that before Paris signed and you had this this uh you know travelator of drivers coming through and well, then the experiment didn't work knocked or they, back down yeah exactly yeah they they messed up their own timing or something and and I don't I don't I you know I'm not a an economist or I don't have a you know a degree in business or anything but I I do wonder if just having two teams on paper at a certain it's just worth so much that it makes sense for them to have it rather than than sell or 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 just that they work and operate at an economies of scale that makes selling their team really inconsequential and it would make more sense for them to to have the two of them i i i don't know like you have to imagine that at a certain point this there's going to be a peak in this market we don't we, the global economy has somehow survived 2023 without a, some sort of um you know catastrophic e- economic collapse either in north america or europe or anywhere which which would you know obviously have a massive effect on this but like surely the growth of f1 and the growth that we're experiencing in the west at the moment and, and i guess globally is is not going to persist for that much longer i just I don't know. I I don't I don't know if on the books it's just not worth it for them to sell. Um, but it does call into question, rightfully, as Brandon says, like it is kind of silly that they do have this like also ran team when we're having these big conversations about whether or not Andretti should come in. Yeah, but I mean, it's totally. I don't know if I was Red Bull, I would want to keep it. Like, it's if you've got it there, why not? It's a, you know, it's a popular fashion brand. The, the, <laughs> the pipeline, the pipeline model worked until it didn't. But like, yeah. if you look at how many drivers still on the grid came up through that program, that's fair. Uh, it's it's a lot to a degree. I think a lot of F one has benefited from the fact that Red Bull has produced more competitive drivers than they literally knew what to do with. Yeah. Um, now everything everything was thrown off by the way. Uh, Max's succession was sped up and then the missteps they may have made uh, in trying to fill the seat alongside him but like it's you know it's broadly as a as a feeder team uh, it's been one of the better contributors in the sport I think the other thing is well one I mean basically the case I'm making here is that Alvatore is Oklahoma City like we're going with the NBA example like everyone is like Oklahoma City good for you you do such a good job scouting talent and getting right. those good players and really being on the cutting edge of what's going to happen next. And then <laughs> when those players are ready to be real NBA stars, they go somewhere else. So to a degree, like I think I think a lot of sports have these like second tier franchises where there's nothing in the rules. There's nothing in the rules saying the Charlotte Hornets can't be can't be NBA champions. It just isn't going to happen. But, so I think there's there's a bit of that. Can you um, say that about them now though? Like considering the driver lineup, I guess you know if we take their imagine Danny's in that seat. 
I think I think the driver lineups have generally been pretty good, and I don't think they mean to be this bad. Like when they have been competitive, because there have been a few seasons where they stumble into a position where they're competitive with Red Bull. Like they show some deference, but like they they race to win when they when when they smell blood yeah, in the water, no, they true. they go for it. They just are a midfield team, and they were before. Like effectively, this you know Bernie Ecclestone begged uh, Dietrich Mateschitz to buy the minority team when he was coming <laughs> yeah. in. This was part of the deal. The minority spirit still lives in there. The minority spirit is not a front-running F1 team. It's a middle-of-the-pack <laughs> team. So I, I don't know. I think Judy Gray would love it if I'm always I, I always want to see more killers in there, right? I always want to more see more like top-tier teams. The top tier is a hard place to achieve in F1, as we see. Like McLaren fell all the way out of it uh, a couple times in the last like decade. It just it happens. It's mm. hard putting together a good program. Right now, they aren't down in the dumps because uh, Red Bull doesn't set them up to win. They're down in the dumps because like everything went wrong in their car development, and like it's been a brutal season for them. Them's the brakes. Indeed. We got a, uh, we got two more good uh race day emails. Well well so we got we have an accounting of Zandvoort. <laughs> and uh, Oscar from uh Oscar from Stockholm has basically this is where we gotta go. Uh, oh, okay. Oscar okay. writes You asked for people to write in about experiences at Zandvoort, and I'm only happy to oblige. My dad and I have a tradition of attending one Grand Prix every year, and this year we decided to go to Zandvoort. Some background. The last three GPs we've attended were Germany 2019, Belgium 2021, and last year we went to Monaco. Nice. If you haven't spotted the common thread between these events, it's that all three of them feature what can only be described as torrential <laughs> rainfall. Oh, he's right. He's right. <laughs> Germany 2019 was so bad. We were seated in the covered grandstand. It was one of the greatest races of all time. But I think you'd agree yes. we've had pretty bad luck. Was that the year with the with this with the where they all kept slipping? Lederhosen? Oh, sorry. Uh, those two. Yes, that too. Yeah. Right. Oh my it was God. Hockenheim, right? Yeah. This was the this yeah. was the night the Mercedes the drag strip. Uh, complete unraveling. Yeah. At at Hockenheim. Yeah. yeah, it was <laughs> and, great. And Hockenberg. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Yeah. And there was that slick apron yeah. on the track. Oh. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, so first, some notes about the track. Zandvoort is a fantastic venue for attending a Grand Prix. The train stations to Harlem and Amsterdam are absolutely fantastic. From Amsterdam Central Station, it's a twenty minute train journey from Zandvoort. Uh, to Zandvoort, and you can check in and out of the trains with your credit card. No tickets needed. Wow. For the race weekends, they also had lots of extra trains called the Max Express this year. (laughs) So getting the track was shockingly hassle-free. We also encountered basically no queues to get through the gates to the track. Wow. Track itself, as you know, is essentially located on a beach, so you're walking around the arena basically on sandy roads between the big sand dunes, which were a bit cramped at times, like all GPs, there's a lot of walking required, but I described the experience overall as excellent. I've never been to a venue that more competently handled hundreds of thousands of people attending a GP at the same time. Even the internet worked. Wow. This was the first time we've been able to use the F1 timing app while sitting in the crowd. Amen. I don't know how the Dutch do it, but they can really pull this stuff off. It's the absolute opposite experience of visiting spa, I can assure you. <laughs> that's that's very impressive. Yeah. Sold. We're going. Uh, now, for the race on Sunday. It had been a light rain on and off for us in the morning, but as the race was getting closer, we were pretty hopeful. 
uh, for the first oh hour gosh. before the race, there had been basically no rain. The sun peaked out I'm at times when the race started. I'm remembering it now. The rain came. It wasn't that bad. Uh, it stopped for a while. We sat at rapt attention for most of the race. Then we started hearing on the loudspeakers ominous things, like engineers <laughs> saying things like heavy rain coming in five minutes, or even that the rain had already started. We didn't feel any raindrops. The sky was a bit dark, but it didn't look that bad. Just to be safe, we put on our ponchos anyway, just to be safe. Then it came. Oh, my God. <laughs> Roughly 30 seconds after we put on our ponchos, the skies just exploded into an insane torrent. I'm not sure how it appeared on TV, but being in the middle of it was, well, it was an experience. That's for sure. It was extremely windy as well. So the rain was basically going horizontally, <laughs> pelting our faces. Rain ponchos only do so much, and we were pretty quickly soaked. <laughs> Uh, despite the rain, both me and my dad loved going to Zandvoort and we recommend it to basically anyone living in the region. P.S. They played the Max Verstappen song on repeat all weekend. I've not been able to get Super Max out of my head. It's <laughs> illegally catchy. Amazing. Uh, somebody wow. else wrote in similarly charmed experience to Zandvoort. Uh, I think John was the emailer, uh, okay. went, went with his son. But like, it sounds like... So many people have written in with experiences like it's a fun experience, but like basically also miserable in so right. many ways to, to attend an F1 race. This sounds charmed. That's great. Huh. That sounds wonderful. I imagine even if you're not a Max Verstappen fan, just the fact that everyone there is really excited was probably infectious. Yeah, you might. You might be for the week that's in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it might be fun. Stick on a bit of orange. Um, and then, uh, Danny, we got one last one because somebody finally did what we didn't have the guts to do. Oh, mm. my God. The guts or the funds. <laughs> Joe and Aaron write, uh, my wife and I bought a F1 Vegas race package. Oh, wow. Yay? There's a, quest there's a question mark <laughs> at the end of the sentence. My wife Erin and I are big fans of the show and massive F1 fans. It served nice. as a meaningful distraction as we are deep into our IVF journey of oh, fair play. Best of luck, folks. Um, throughout this arduous process, we've had many discussions about our shared bucket list items. Top of that list is to attend an F1 race. Partially due to impulse and partially due to me just turning 40, we bought tickets to the inaugural race in uh, F1 race in Vegas. We can't wait. We want to share with you all the details along the way so you have some reference points should you decide to mention them on the show. Details are below. First up, we purchased the F1 PG1 Grandstand Room and Ticket Package at Mandalay Bay. Wait a second. Wait so a second. We so when we were looking into this, Danny, yes. you couldn't it was <laughs> you couldn't just buy a ticket. No. Right, there were so many of these packages around. There were, but is this is this them not buying grandstand tickets? Is this them buying a hotel room that overlooks, or is this grandstand. is this? I don't know if it overlooks. I'm gonna keep going. But, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. yeah. Total cost is oh my god, down to decimal points. Total cost is seven thousand one hundred and eighty nine dollars and twenty four cents, <gasps> and includes the following: a three night stay in the resort room. Sorry, resort. Wait, this isn't bad at all. Hold on. Room. Okay. Four-day race tickets that include the opening ceremony. We will be seated in the East Harmon zone. Okay, so this is the areas you go to, the tickets, which are main grandstand seats, includes the start-finish straight and the first four turns. 
I think there's only two zones, if I remember, when I was looking at the tickets, uh, and that's the best one. Um, we won't know exact. We won't know the exact seating assignments until 24 hours before our hotel check-in. That's whoa. That's weird. That's bizarre. Of the seven thousand one hundred eighty-nine dollars and twenty-four cents we paid, one thousand five hundred and thirty-five dollars and seventy-four cents was for the room. The remaining five thousand six hundred and fifty-three dollars and fifty cents were for the tickets. My goodness, this is a splurge for sure, but one that will cherish forever. More to come as it gets closer. Joe and Aaron, thank you very much. Uh, please email after the race to let us know how that went that's that's great i have been my wife has been telling me because i'm finishing a bunch of big projects at the end of the month and she's been saying you should go to that race you should go to that race and then i was i was like a couple of nights ago or maybe last week i was looking up um uh information about it the hotel prices have like fallen by 50 percent since See, when it was announced. when this came in, I wondered. I feel like these prices are lower than what we were looking at earlier in the yes. year. So because yeah. I remember it was like just un unfathomable that someone would do this. But if you're saying like a couple, all inclusive weekend, nice room, pass to all the racing stuff, you know, seven seven grand all in, like that's expensive. But for a big Vegas bash, that doesn't seem as as wild as I remember it being. If it's your fourth, you know, if it's your 40th birthday or you say it's your honeymoon or, you know, you can just. Well, if you're you're deep in IVF hell, uh, you you get you get a pass to do whatever you want. Right. Well, if you're spending all that money and and emotional energy on 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 that, then, you know, what? probably spending this much on something, you know, is going to be more fun and will get you the results you need for sure yeah it's probably yeah i i 100 percent can see the reason why but, they do that especially because there's only one first right and this is why i'm so That's excited true, yeah. that yeah. that uh joe and aaron have decided to write in a, like a play-by-play because all, not only is it the first one it's so weird it's a weird yeah. it's in the middle of las vegas That's nighttime it's at a, like 11 so, p.m so, it's yeah. just, just this strange it's gonna be cold and this is why i want what i the way i want to, i kind of want to go but i what i want to do is i just want to book the hotel i want to get it because you get like you can stay at like the venetian in vegas for like the same price as like a holiday inn in san francisco like it's not that bad just, you can get you can get a nice room in, in a bunch of these hotels for like $200 a night. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be crazy. So if they're, if they're tumbling down a little bit and I'm not, you know, ideally you'd get one that you can see the room or you just go to like an F1 party. You know what I mean? That's going on. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like I'm trying to figure out how to like, cause it's if only there were any sports bars in Las totally, Vegas. <laughs> right. Like that. Maybe that's what I should do is just cause it's like, it's like a 45 minute flight, right? Like we're, it's not that far from here. You get a cheap hotel or, or a nice hotel and you just like soak it in. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of soaking it in, uh, the, you all remember the sphere. Yes. Right. Yes. I saw, are you going to mention Ireland's favorite band or least favorite band? Oh, are you two playing the sphere? Yes, you two have done a have done a, a night in it, and Irish Twitter was full. Of, I mean, people in Ireland kind of don't like you two because they were because mm. of tax reasons. But, okay, but uh, yeah, they did a they had a show there, and it was it looked pretty badass. Well, their their 
so if you aren't, aren't familiar, they have just built this giant sphere in uh, Las Vegas, which is will feature prominently, I'm sure, on the uh, the broadcast oh, yeah. feed because it is the track goes right around it. Um, it's an LCD the, it, sphere. It's a, yeah. It's so a on the outside, screen. it's a bunch of little lights. It's a it's a big, basically a spherical screen. On the inside is, I guess they do the same. It's like twenty thousand seats, and they do musical. Yeah, acts. and the screen is on the inside too. So they they interior oh, they great. interiorly project like crazy vistas and stuff for the concerts and shows. Well, the pitch deck for the people that own the sphere has leaked onto the internet. And oh. Danny, or have you seen this? I haven't. I was just going to mention that when we were looking at the Vegas Grand Prix the very, very first time, when we looked at the deck for the Grand Prix, there was a huge sphere. And we were yeah, like, we were like, what, we were is like that? what the fuck is that thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are they going to invent that in the meantime? And it turns out they did. So fair enough. They did uh, a one-day flight, which means uh, advertisement, activation, whatever word you want to use. Okay. Um, if you want, if you want to book the sphere to put your logo or whatever on there, one day will cost you four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, but that, but I bet, I bet F one Sunday costs about twenty times as much as that. <laughs> Probably. It's interesting that uh, one week is only six hundred and fifty. Man, they just don't want to do the paperwork. They're just like, just <laughs> please, just take it for the week. Uh, and that, uh, wow, they'll uh, design it for you. Apparently, can we get Shift F one up there? That'd be fun. Yeah, just like, or could you have it like just show like it? we'd be reading names for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine telemetry duck up on that, <laughs> up on that screen? <laughs> Irvine I would love research. to see that. I would love yeah. to see the sphere like graphic designers try to figure out like what's a telemetry doc and just yeah. see what they make of that. They just like I've googled Lachlan the Maddened Man, but I don't really know what he looks like. I it's 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 a goofy, weird, kind of cool thing, but also like if somebody built one of those in the middle of my city. <laughs> terrorism against it would be morally justified <laughs> like it is so bright it is so obtrusive it is ridiculous it's the like, one it is, city you could build it in it's yeah it's the only place where that kind of aggressive hijacking of public space and like public awareness yeah. is like kind of tolerable but man even there it's kind of borderline <laughs> yeah yeah cannot wait to hear more uh joe and Aaron. yes and if you uh, also would like to send us an email, you can do so at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You could also hit us up on Twitter uh, or Mastodon or wherever. We don't yet have a blue sky, uh, but I don't know. Do we Do we want I haven't that? been on Twitter in, in a while. Dude, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I just don't care when anymore. I, when there got to be so many that it became too much. Yeah, didn't matter. It became zero. Yeah. Blissful. Um, that's us around the internet. Shall we take it around the world of racing? Let's Danny? race around the world of racing. Yeah. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Kakalaki <laughs> for the Drive for the Cure 250. Great that's on the Charlotte Roval. Great band. It's good. It's a bad time people have started to celebrate them. <laughs> Got to drive for him. Um, the World Rally Cross Championship is at the Killarney Racetrack, which sounds Excuse Irish, me? but it's in Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, the Killarney is a is a city in in Kerry, 
in the southwest of Ireland, but obviously also in South Africa because of emigration. Oh, there you go. Uh, the Motocross Grand Prix is in Hermé, France, for at the Moto Club Hermé. <laughs> I love the 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 phrase Moto Club. Moto Club. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Uh, for the uh, <laughs> at the Moto Club, we are having the Monster Energy FIM well, MX of Nations. <laughs> it was a classy establishment for a minute. Uh huh. France loves Monster Energy. Uh, the Repco supercars are at Mount Panorama this weekend in New South Wales, Australia for the Repco Bathurst 1000. Woo. Boy, what a race. Yeah, good times. Mount Panorama is a real like Mount View or Vista Point kind of name. <laughs> Townsville? Can, yeah, exactly. That's in Australia Townsville, too. Yeah. Uh, we also got NASCAR. Oh my. They're also at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the bank. Of America. America. America's oh. bank. America's the only bank in America. Yep. Ro- Roval 400. Yep. Yep. And Formula One. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a sprint weekend. Don't forget, Friday, October 6th, King, things kick off. Free practice one at 9.30. The only free practice. Uh, 9.30 a.m. on Eastern. On Yeah, 9.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Uh, followed by qualifying at 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Saturday, October 7th, the Sprint Shootout is 9 a.m. on ESPN2, followed by the Sprint Ooh. at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN News. That's right, the Formula One World Champion may be crowned on ESPN News. Where's that uh, taking place? Los Good stuff, uh, good stuff. Thank you. And Sunday, the race, October 8th, <laughs> 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. That's what's happening this weekend, Danny. What happened today in well, history? Some people died. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get out ahead of it. I'm just gonna because it's literally the first sentence. So I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm telegraphing it. All right. I'm sorry, I don't pick the days. I don't pick <laughs> I'm not the god of calendars. <clears throat> on October 4th, sometime in the past. A month after championship leader Jochen Rindt had been killed at Monza, the F1 circus arrived at Watkins Glen for the US Grand Prix on this day in mm. 1970. Only Jackie X could take the title from Rindt, but he needed to win both the US and Mexican Grand Prix to do it. He took pole, but a mechanical problem ended his race and his title hopes Maybe by some sort of ghost. That's me uh, editorializing. Brazilian Emerson Fittipaldi promoted the team leader, uh, sorry, promoted to team leader at Lotus after Rint's death, took his first victory to ensure Rint won the title, the only posthumous world champion in the history of the sport. What a feel-good no. story. All right, next one. The blood red Ferrari cars are the most instantly recognized. <laughs> I was really worried. About the color. <laughs> The blood red Ferrari cars remind you of your, of your mortality. And yeah, uh, Rob Typically, Ferrari cars look, look only look like they're painted with blood. blood. But on this day in 1928. Dear Lord, I haven't read this one yet. So um, who knows? Uh, the blood red Ferrari cars are the most instantly recognizable on the F1 grid. 
But today in 1964, <laughs> I'm so scared to read the next sentence. The cars ran in the United States Grand Prix in an unfamiliar blue and white color scheme. <gasps> Enzo Ferrari was in dispute with the Italian National Automobile Club and so entered his cars in United States colors rather than the Italian red. His lead driver, wow. John Surtees, finished behind Graham Hill. Presumably both of them survived. <laughs> well, I'm sure they would mention it if they did. Oh my gosh. That's pretty funny. Uh, that's pretty funny. Enzo was just like, not we're American this week. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh well, Danny, heading into low sale. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, I'm disappointed we won't be able to do that joke for another twelve months. Um but, well, actually, I guess next week we'll be able to do it. So, And we're starting a spin-off SailGP uh, podcast. SailGP is good. People should subscribe to our Patreon. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm going in with low expectations. I'm glad it's a two-race weekend. Maybe that'll mix it up a little bit. Um, in many ways, it would be fair and sort of appropriate if Max secured the title during the sprint. Um yeah, I hope it's a fun race. Um, uh, I'm going over low expectations, and I hope to be sort of surprised by them. Rob? I'm just on the Vegas Grand Prix website pricing tickets now. Oh. Like, I'm sorry. I'm like, this seems like it might be achievable. It's not. It's not. But, like, <laughs> they're only doing one of these the first time once. Have you been, been to Vegas before? Yeah, a few times. It's yeah. good. It's I good like time, Vegas right? a lot. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, maybe if uh, Verstappen wins, we can just kind of like, okay, that's done now. Maybe we, now we can <laughs> enjoy ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you guys. Um, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, the ad-free version of the podcast, and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.